Happy Easter, everybody. He's risen. So you guys should know this. I do this every year, just but if you're new to church or you haven't been around the main service, and I don't even know that we do it up front, but when I grew up, this is kind of how we did it, and I kind of like feeling like I'm, you know, back 20 years ago, like your age uh, kind of thing. So when I do that, it's like you respond, he's risen indeed. So can we do that one time? He is risen. All right, if you don't believe that today, I'm going to try to convince you of that. Because we have been in a sermon series called Anchored. And Pastor Tommy has been preaching about this. And the last two weeks, we've really talked about anchored in Christ. And what I want to talk about tonight is being anchored in the cross. We're going to talk about the cross and what Jesus did on the cross for us. And then we're going to look at a couple of responses that people had to the cross and to Jesus hanging on the cross. And I think it's going to be really interesting to us. And I think we might be able to find ourselves in that. Now, talking about Easter, I don't know about you guys, but when we do Easter, we, um, we usually have an Easter egg hunt. Anybody else has one in the house? It's so sad. Like, I still like doing this. So you need to tell your parents we need to have an Easter egg hunt. So my wife will always go around and hide eggs in our house, and we have, like, different colors. And then, you know, obviously I have Zadok and Tirza who are young, so they love doing this. And, and I just do it with them. And you know what happens every single year? Like, there's usually, like, 30 or 40 eggs that she's posed out, and every single year we miss a few. And then a month later, you know, like, you just find it, like, man, that's where it was. Did you guys ever do that when you were growing up? No? Okay, good. Well, you guys need to have fun again. I mean, like, you know, be young again, like five or six years old, and just to go on and have an Easter egg hunt. Okay, so that didn't go over well at all. Let's go ahead and go in our sermon then, and let's talk about Anchored in Christ. Again, last week, this was actually more in junior high, but I want to kind of catch you guys up. We had a very, very, and I mean very intense service in junior high. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on, and basically at the end, Pastor Tommy preached on being anchored in Christ, and, and he really talked about that, hey, guys, um, we need to make sure that certain people, when they come to us and we know that they're not walking with God, that we have this attitude of, I will not let you go to hell. It will be over my dead body. And so we talked about this whole phrase of over my dead body. And the, really the thing catching you guys up on it is the whole idea of, again, if we have some people, maybe people that are sitting next to you, that you will say, hey, if you are going down a path that I don't, I don't think you should be going on because we know where this path is leading you, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to let you go on the path. It's going to be over my dead body. Leaders, we talk very intensely to our leaders about this because for us as leaders, if we look at this phrase, we need to think of, okay, our small group that we're in charge of, the ones that we are overseeing, are we playing games in our small groups? Are we just hanging out with them? Is this just a social club? Or are we really saying, hey, if, if there's some teenagers in our small group that we are shepherding, that we are over, are they, are they okay? And if they're not leaders over our dead body. So I know I'm starting like really tough and then we're going to lighten up a little bit and then go tough again. For us students, for you, you have to figure out, okay, am I really anchored in Christ, which was what PT talked about. And then if you're anchored in Christ saying, okay, what about my friends? Are they anchored in Christ? The ones that are sitting next to me again in, in, in school or the ones sitting next to me in church, the ones that I'm hanging out with, or are they not? And then if they're not, what am I doing about it? Am I just playing games? Or is it over my dead body? Now, if you look around, you can see that there's a couple of empty chairs here, right? Anybody have an empty chair next to them? Go ahead and raise your hand if you do. That's a lot of us right now. We had a lot more in junior high. So when we look at chairs, we, we see an empty chair. And I'm going to just grab one of these really quick as an illustration tonight. And I just want to bring this up here, and I want you guys to look at this chair. Uh, because um, this chair could just represent it's an empty chair. But for me... This chair represents a whole lot more. It's not just an empty chair. It's someone that's missing that's supposed to be here. 
And not just one chair, not just two, but all the ones that are empty in this room, there's somebody that is missing that's supposed to be here. There's somebody that should be sitting right here listening to the sermon, getting to know Jesus, going deeper and falling deeper in love with Jesus, but there's lots of chairs that are empty. So when we look around, we just see, well, you know, we just got some empty chairs. No, we, we have people that are missing that should be part of 5979. See, here's the deal. The devil's youth group is still bigger than ours. As a matter of fact, I'm not okay with anybody being in the devil's youth group. And if we want to change that, we've got to invite some people. We've got to share the gospel with them. And in order for that to happen, we didn't have this stance of saying, over my dead body. I will not play games anymore. I will not just come to church, but I will look around and be like, I need to make a difference. And there are some people around you. You all have friends, every one of you guys. And you know they're not going to make it to heaven. You know once they die, you're not going to see them there. If you were truly their friend, and if I was truly friend to all the people that I know, I would say, hey, over my dead body, an empty seed is not acceptable. And we have plenty more, so we can bring more down if we needed to, if we ever run out of seats. But this is going to be up here. I'm going to put this up here as a reminder for the entire service that this is not just an empty chair, but there's a person that is missing here in 5979. Now, the question that I would have if I was hearing this and listening to it would be, okay, so is this a scriptural concept over my dead body? And let's go ahead and answer that, but before I do, let me pray, and then we're going to dive right into what we're going to be talking about tonight, which is anchored in the cross. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here tonight. I thank you that you're going to speak and that you're going to change lives. Holy Spirit, I declare my dependence upon you, and I ask that you would remove me from behind the pulpit and that my words will be yours tonight. Speak to us tonight. Change our lives, and we pray that in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. So, is this scriptural? Is this whole idea of over my dead body, and I know I started a little intense, but we kind of want to go somewhere tonight. Is this scriptural? Well, let's look at our handout and on the PowerPoint, 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 7. This is Paul talking to his young protege, Timothy. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Now, this is Paul talking again to Timothy, and he's basically saying, hey, my life has been poured out. In other words, it's just a different way of saying, over my dead body. I have poured my life out for the gospel. I've done everything that I could. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. I've done well, and here it is. I'm pouring out my life. I have poured out my life. No one is going to hell because I didn't preach the gospel, and Paul really kept this. He went all over the area. He preached the gospel. He started churches. He did all these different things, and he really had this whole idea of over my dead body. Now, why would Paul do this? Paul is writing this in prison. He's literally at the last couple of days of his life, the last few weeks. I'm not quite sure what exactly the time is, but it's the last couple of years or a couple of weeks of his life here. And he's saying, hey, I, I have run the race. Why would he say all this? I believe he believed in what he was teaching, and I believe he said what he said because he saw someone else do this and knew of someone else that did the same thing that said, over my dead body. Do you know who that is? obviously the one that he's serving and that he's preaching about, which is Jesus. Jesus kind of said the same thing. Actually, as a matter of fact, we are here in church today because he gave his body and because he died. And Jesus had the same kind of thing over my dead body. As a matter of fact, I will give myself so that you can come to the Father. Now, what's the story of Jesus? We all, I think, know the story. Uh, he was born to Mary and Joseph, and he was 100% man, yet he was also 100% God. And this guy lives for 30, day, for 30 years with his family. He becomes a carpenter, just like his father was a carpenter, Joseph. And he's working in the family business. And then about 30 years of age, he starts preaching in the synagogues. 
And he picks 12 disciples that he will carry and that we train and disciple and everything. And for three and a half years, they're going around, they're, they're teaching, they're preaching, they're casting out demons. And in that time period, Jesus, again, who was 100% man but 100% God, apparently offended a lot of people. A lot of people, especially the religious ones, got really, really offended with Jesus. And so much so that they said, we're going to kill this guy. He can't be around. So they basically nailed an innocent man to the cross. And at that cross, lots of people were watching and looking around and seeing what was going on with Jesus. And there was a lot of different responses to the cross. And what I want to do for a couple of minutes is to show you three different responses of people that were at the cross and how they responded to Jesus. And I think as we look at this, you will see yourself in one of the responses that we're about to look at. The first one that we find is found in Mark chapter 15, verses 29 to 32. And the first response of how people respond to Jesus at the cross is this. They respond mockingly. They respond with insults and just laughing in different things. And here's what it says. Those passing by were hurling abuse at him, waging their heads and saying, Ha, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from that cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see him and believe. And those who were crucified with him were also insulting him. So you have the first response to the cross. And the first response that we see at people at the cross, they literally mocked Jesus. They mocked him and they laughed at him. And you know what? Isn't that the same today? Aren't many people looking at Jesus and saying, ha, Jesus. And they look at you and be like, ha, seriously? You believe in Jesus? He died 2,000 years ago. You really believe in all that? That's a fairy tale. And they make fun of you. They make fun of Jesus. And you know what Jesus' response was to this? On the cross, as he's dying? He said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The response number one that you will have, that some people have to the cross is mocking. And again, there's lots of people today in our world that will mock him. Not just will they mock him, but they will literally abuse his name and use it as a cuss word. People mock Jesus all over the place. There's many people in America that do. It's interesting to me that in here, if you look at this, it said the scribes and the Pharisees. I mean, it's all these religious people that are actually the ones that are mocking. And I find this interesting because even America, we are a Christian nation, or at least have been for a while, and, and I'm not quite sure that we still are, but there's a lot of people that have roots in the church, and a lot of the people that are really ticked with God and offended with God are the ones that were raised in church, and they are the ones that are mocking him. How are we responding to the cross? Are we responding in a mocking kind of way? Or maybe we're responding like the second group of people. And these, these were actually the soldiers that were at the cross, and they did this. And we found this in Matthew 27, verse 54. Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened, and they said, truly, this was the Son of God. So how did they respond to the cross? They acknowledged that God was God, that Jesus was the Son of God. But that's where it stopped. They literally said, hey, we see that this guy is actually the Son of God, which is a big deal. It's a huge deal, but they stopped right there. They didn't go a step further. They honored him as the Son of God, but said, that, that's about it. Because if I were to go further, my life would have to change. I would have to completely be different. I will tell you he's the Son of God, and that's okay. I'm okay with that, but that's about it. You know that there's lots of people in America today? If you ask them, that's exactly what they're going to tell you. Yeah, I believe he's God. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he came and he rose. Yeah, I believe all that. But that's it. As a matter of fact, there's lots of people in the church that have that response right there. Yes, 
I believe he's the son of God. There's going to be tons of people in church tomorrow morning for Easter that will declare and say, yes, he's the son of God, but that's where it stops. They won't go a step further. I wonder whether there's some people here tonight that that's where you are. You're saying, you know what? P.S. If I'm honest, I acknowledge that he's God, but I don't really care about that because if I were to really acknowledge that and change something, I would have to change in my life. Because if God really comes in, things change, and a lot of people are not willing to do that. Or could it be that your response is response number three? And this comes from the most unlikely of places, and we find this in Luke 23. I love this response because it's so different. Luke 23, verses 36 to 43, and this is the guy that is hanging on the cross with Jesus. The soldiers who mocked him, some soldiers apparently were mocking him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurled abuse at him, saying, are you not Christ? Save yourself and us. If you ever read the Bible and really think about some stuff, this is insane. You have a guy here who is dying at his last few minutes, maybe his last few hours, and how he uses these last few minutes is basically making fun of the guy next to him who's also dying. Seriously? That's how you're going to use the last few minutes of your life? You're going to, I mean, if there's even like a 1% chance that Jesus could have been who he said he was, because it was stated he is the king of the Jews, I would have completely changed and said, hey, just in case you are the son of God, let me just kind of get in with you right now, even though I'm dying on the cross, right? But this guy is hurling insults at him, but there's another guy, and his response is different. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we're receiving that we deserve what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Jesus said this, Truly I say to you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. We don't even know the sinner's name, nothing really about him, but the fact that he responded in a repentant kind of way. So the response number three is repentance or repentantly. And how do we know that he repented? Well, because he said, hey, we deserve what we're getting. He, however, has been crucified and he is completely sinless. See, when it comes to the real response that we need to have to God and the cross is this, that we need to realize we are sinful. We deserve hell. You and me, we deserve hell. Some of you guys, you've been raised in church and you're like, well, P.S., I haven't really done anything that bad. I don't care how bad your sins are. Your sins nailed Jesus to the cross. And you deserve to go to hell. And that's not how we like preaching to be, but that's truth. We need to come to that realization that even though most of you guys are really kind of good kids, for most of you guys, some of you guys, you know, like me, like when I was your age, I wasn't really that good of a kid. But anyway, you still nailed him to the cross. And you deserve what was coming to you. Yet Jesus came in and he paid the fine at the cross. And so the response of the sinner was this, have mercy on me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I think that should be our response always. It is to the sacrifice on the cross that we can come before a holy God. It is because of Jesus. See, the cross changes everything. And we need our lives to be anchored in the cross. Your life needs to be anchored in the cross. I was raised in a Christian home. So I was very much like many of you guys where I went to church every single week. I was there. I went to youth camps. I did all these different things. And, and I gave my life to Christ at a very early age. I would say about eight or nine years old. And I can't really remember many of you guys of the same kind of way where you can't really remember. But you kind of gave your life to Christ. 
and, and then you did the best that you could, or you're doing the best that you can, but I didn't really have a real encounter with Jesus till I was 18 years old. And in that time period, from like 14 to 18, I decided I was going to do whatever I wanted to do. And you know what I did? I mocked Jesus in that period. I responded like the first guys, mockingly throwing insults at him, because I was a hypocrite. I was in church, and yet I was doing what I wanted. I lived for God for three hours, and then the rest of the week, I lived like the devil. I did whatever I wanted to do because I didn't want to be accountable for what I was doing. I responded mockingly. Some of you guys, you're in that spot where you're really responding to God mockingly. And God is calling you and saying, hey, my arms are wide open. Come back to me. And if you would have asked me during that time period as I was kind of walking away from God, hey, so do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? I would have told you flat out, yes, he's the Son of God, no doubt about it. But I didn't care because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to drink, I wanted to smoke, I wanted to party, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and that's exactly what I did. But I would have told you, I acknowledge him to be God. Yeah, absolutely, but I don't care. Is that your response tonight? Is that what you have been doing in your life where you're doing whatever you want? You're saying, yeah, God is God, but I'm gonna do what I do. See, here's the thing, here's the thing about that. You will not make it to heaven like that. There came a time in my life where literally God just rocked my world at a youth conference. And, and just totally changed me. And I realized that that attitude, even saying like, hey, God, you're God, will not get me to heaven. And that was eye-opening for me. It just, it just kind of was, whoa, I, I really need to change. And I am a sinner, and I need his saving grace. And it changed me completely. See, I went to this camp just kind of to hang out. Do you guys know that youth group is not supposed to be a social club? It's supposed to be a place of healing, of restoration, and of training. Now, I think social aspects of youth ministry are really important, but that's not what the main thing is. It's supposed to be us bringing people in and people hearing about Jesus. So I went to this conference, and I went, maybe even like some of you guys, I went to kind of have fun, hang out with people, and guess what? God had a different plan. God completely changed it, and it was one of those moments, they had a pulpit, and literally in the pulpit, it was like a wooden thing, and they had this cross in the middle, and somehow they thought this was cool. Um, they had like a light inside, so when they turned it on, you know, the cross was kind of shining, so it was really kind of, you know, old and, and weird, but there was one moment at the conference when they did that, and at that moment, I saw the cross in a <laughs> completely different light, pun intended there, and it was just kind of neat what God did to me. And he literally pushed me to the ground. And I, I just, every strength that I had in me was gone. And it was one of those like, who's going to be God? And I realized that I wasn't God over my life. It was God that needed to be God. And I gave complete control over to him. I met him at the cross. Some of you guys need to meet Jesus at the cross. Because that's where everything changes. That's where you leave your pain. That's where you leave your burdens. That's where you leave everything behind. And then when you do, you get reborn and you become a new person. Paul talks about this. I have been made completely new. The old is gone, the new has come in. That's what happens at the cross. Are you anchored in the cross? Is your life anchored in the cross? Now the story obviously doesn't end there because he's alive and we're celebrating Easter tomorrow. Pastor Tony's gonna come back next week and he's gonna talk about the resurrection. But are you anchored in the cross? And which is your response out of all those three? Are we responding to God mockingly are you responding to him, acknowledging, but that's it? Or are you really saying, hey, I'm repentant. God, come in my life and have control. He's alive, and he is amazing. So here's the question that I have for you guys tonight. How are you responding to the cross, to Jesus on the cross? I love what Paul says in Galatians 6, verse 14. He says, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The cross changed everything in my life. Has it changed your life yet? And if not tonight, you're gonna to have a moment in a moment 
where you can have that happen to you. If I can have you guys close your eyes, and I'm going to ask you here tonight, you might be here, and if you're honest with me, you have been kind of living a hypocritical life. Maybe you've been even mocking Jesus with your life and kind of being here for three hours, but then saying, hey, the rest of the week is mine. You get three hours, God, that's about it. Kind of like what I did, and it's not the way that we should live. And you're saying, hey, I'm done with that. I'm done with that life. I'm ready to give it all up. I'm ready to go to the cross and meet him at the cross and leave everything there. Maybe you're here today, and you're saying, hey, I am, I'm acknowledging that he's God, but I haven't made that thing complete where I'm like, I, I want to I repent. I want him to be the master and the savior of my life. And you in a moment are going to take that step. There's others of you here and, and you are saved and you're doing the best that you can. You're walking with the Holy Spirit, but maybe sin has crept in. In a moment, you're going to raise your hand and say, hey, there's some stuff in my life and I want to get rid of that. But I want to talk to the first really two people for a second. If you're in this place and you have been mocking Jesus, maybe even with your lifestyle, maybe you once were a Christian, but you're not anymore. Maybe you are acknowledging God that he's God, but that's about it. That's where it stopped because you don't want to give control over to God. But tonight, tonight, you're going to change. Tonight, you're going to make a decision because God is calling you in. He loves you so much. We love you so much. We've been praying over this week. We've been praying over the chairs that you're sitting in. We love you. The reason why I even taught the way that I did tonight, which I know was intense, is because I love you and I don't want you to go to a place that you shouldn't go to. I want you to be in heaven with me and with everybody else around you. So if that's you tonight and you're here and you're saying, hey, P.S., I, I want to give my life to God for the first time or for real for the first time. This is not about you getting right with God because you've got some sin in your life. This is literally you saying, I want Jesus to be the master and the savior right now, right here. If that's you, would you put your hand up high if there's anybody here? Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Anybody else? Cool, you can put your hands back down. Awesome, thank you. Second group of people, you are here, and if you're honest, there's some stuff that is between you and God. And Easter is coming up tomorrow, and we're going to talk about the resurrection and everything, and you know that there's some stuff that's hindering your relationship with God. And you're saying right now, hey, I, I want to I get right with God, right here, right now. If that's you, would you put your hand up high? you got some stuff in your life. Awesome. So proud of you guys. So many hands up. You can put them back down. Thank you. Let me pray over you really quick, both groups. Heavenly Father, I thank you that when we call on your name for us to be safe, that you will answer, that you would radically transform us right there at the foot of the cross, that everything we have, we can lay down and leave it there, and our lives will forever be changed. So, Father, for those that raised our hands for salvation, Father, I pray right now that you would just change their lives if they have made that decision. And, Father, for those of us that are here tonight and we have said, hey, there's some stuff in my life, I pray that as we lay it down that we will never have to pick it up again. And God, that you would change us, that you would forgive us. And we pray that in Jesus' name, in his precious name we pray. Amen.